0: Hello, and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, June 18th, 2020. Today, new video shows police kicking a handcuffed black teen in Tulsa for jaywalking. A Black Lives Matter protest in Bethel, Ohio is overrun by armed white supremacists. The Washington Post publishes an analysis of cops using Twitter to spread lies about peaceful protesters. The Republican Iowa governor will issue an executive order restoring voting rights to felons. The press has John Bolton's book. Another top DOJ official resigns. Pelosi is requiring masks on the House floor. The mayor of Tulsa apparently had no idea Trump wanted his rally to be at the BOK Center. And the CIA is experiencing woefully lax security. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. And there there is another headline that wasn't in the intro because it just sort of dropped. And that is that the cop that uh, shot Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta has been charged with 11. He's he's facing 11 charges, one of which is felony murder. So Jordan, you're going to update us on that too in, in the A block. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's just a ton of news coming out today. I'm going to be talking a little bit later on in the show with um former federal and state prosecutor and cnn analyst ellie honig and he and i are going to be discussing oh oh another exit from the department of justice uh this time this time uh the former chief of staff of jeff sessions the racist possum is uh resigning so oh. we're going to talk about the implications of yeah yeah we're talking about the implications of that um one of the the people who will historically forever be remembered for being mentioned in the Mueller report multiple times <laughs> so should be an interesting discussion and of course this Friday is our live stream happy hour meet and greet Q a thing and we're looking for a theme still so hit us up uh, at MuellerSheWrote she Wrote or at daily Beans Pod on Twitter or um, in the Facebook group or you can send us a message by going to the dailybeanspod.com and clicking contact let us know what your into what sort of theme you'd be interested in having uh that's this friday that's uh which is what tomorrow if you're yeah yeah you know (laughs) friday uh we're recording this what is today wednesday at 3 p.m ish pacific so Mm -hmm. keep that in mind as we move forward uh and we should get to the news so without further ado let's hit the hot notes hot notes
1: Hello everybody and welcome to Jordan's Corn Beans. My apologies, my audio just crapped out again, so I have to do a workaround. I'm recording into a different software, so I apologize that my voice will not sound as crisp. You won't be able to hear all those nice saliva sounds Is good this round. Sad for you. Um, I have a few stories from my A Block today, the first of which I am happy to report. It's coming out of Iowa. Their governor, Kim Reynolds... She said today, uh, or yesterday, excuse me, on Tuesday, that she's issuing an executive order before the elections in November that will restore voting rights for paroled felons in Iowa. And that's pretty wild because she's a Republican. And, I mean, this is an issue that, like, even amongst the Democratic candidates in the field before a bunch of them dropped out, There were differences of opinion between all of them on this issue. This was like a litmus test question that I had seen laid out in some of the most prominent, you know, comparing data sets that I saw published on the internet and some Democrats didn't, didn't even agree on restore on like the full restoration of voting rights. Um, I know this, I'm sure that this is limited, in its execution, but just the fact that a Republican is making this move is good news. Uh, I think it's really, really incredibly fair to say this is a direct result of people taking to the streets and all the organizing that's been happening and everybody that has been demanding better of their communities. And this is, you know, I mean, we saw the disenfranchisement in Georgia just a few weeks ago not that long not that long at all time is taking forever and it seems like it's also going on and on uh but it it was already something that we've seen happen this election season is people's votes not counting and how historical of a problem that is when it comes to black people's voices being heard in this democracy so Iowa go you um There's a report done by the sentencing project that said 2.2% of adults in Iowa in 2016 were ineligible to vote due to past convictions, including 9.8% of African-Americans in the state overall. So everybody should be passing more and more uh, legislation like that. I think uh, if the Democrats weren't all on board with that before, then they certainly need to be now. Uh, My next story is coming out of New York and just really police departments kind of across the country, actually. But there's a phenomenon happening right now and it's always happened to certain degrees, but it's happening a lot right now where pretty much these police unions are going to Twitter and they're accusing counter pro or protesters, excuse me, of having these sort of violent, um, you know, attacks happen against police, and they're really weaponizing Twitter in in ways that just make me incredibly uncomfortable. One of the most prominent examples of that was this whole Shake Shack fiasco where. New York police unions went on Twitter, accused Shake Shack employees of trying to poison the police officers with their milkshakes. The New York City Patrolman's Benevolent Association said that the officers had come under attack. So the, the New York City Detectives Endowment Association goes even farther and says that their fellow officers were intentionally poisoned by one or more workers. And it turns out that none of those tweets were true. Um, that's that's not what happened. New York Police Department Chief and detect of De- Chief of Detectives Rodney Harrison said that a thorough investigation had revealed no criminal act. Uh, the Detectives Endowment Association acknowledged it was evidently, in quotes, evidently an accident. Uh, but the tweets it got retweeted over twelve thousand times. It's been deleted now. But but it, but it's just like it's a very. It's it's a tactic that we're going to see deployed more and more and more. And it's to, you know, try, try to paint police as victims as much as they can in response to ACAB sentiments, basically, I think would be the easiest way to boil that down. And it's just like, I mean... I can't take any more of Twitter being weaponized by insane people. It's really so traumatizing and re-traumatizing every time I see that happening. I mean, Trump is the freaking mastermind of using that platform to stir shit up. And it just really sucks to see so many people associated with law enforcement getting in on the same thing. Mind you, uh, they're in an industry, you know, where you're supposed to be upholding due process and the law. But clearly that's why we're here. In the first place, but the fact that they're just jumping to these conclusions and blasting them out to over twelve thousand people is is just it just sucks. It's just more disinformation stuff. Uh, my next story is coming out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's new video that's now emerged that's showing a white police officer kicking a black teenager as he was sitting handcuffed in a patrol car, and then pulling the kid from the car and throwing him against the pavement. The boy was one of two black teens that were detained by police on this day, June 4th for apparently quote improperly walking along the roadway end quote along a quiet residential street with no sidewalk. So none of that seems like it deserved to be met with that sort of force. Another example of the violence that will not stop and is enacted on children. We definitely need to not forget the children that are impacted by this immensely, either indirectly and very, very often directly. There are so many horrible stories. I saw a a Facebook post. Fosbake. Fosbake. My God. I saw a Facebook post the other day that was listing out all of these kids that were under 18 years old that died because of uh, that died at the hands of police basically. And, and it's, it's the most heart wrenching thing to see Um, just to see all these, all obviously nobody deserves to die. When you see a kid and you see so many kids who, you know, for a fact did absolutely nothing, 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 nothing to deserve to experience any amount of violence whatsoever again this goes for everybody not just children but I mean this isn't a phenomenon I have to explain just how heart-wrenching it is when when kids are involved and so these kids getting roughed around by police for absolutely no reason is just more more of the same unfortunately um the the final story that I have this is coming out of a demonstration that happened in uh, ohio it's a cincinnati area village of bethel and the story is there was a demonstration that somebody put together because uh so her name is alicia gee alicia gee describes it as quote a demonstration to show my neighbors there are people who care to show my very monochromatic town that black lives matter um, so she organizes a demonstration that happened on Sunday, and it was just a peaceful demonstration. The population of the town, it's super low. It's 2,800 people. It was just a, a uh, 80 people turnout, pretty much. And what happened, what they were met with, was 700 counter protesters. 700 counter-protesters they showed up apparently as members of motorcycle gangs um they were touting back the blue um they were proponents of the second amendment apparently they carried firearms 700 people showed up that's so so sad to hear that fucking sucks i hate that that's happening and that's what she was met with after. Being a part of organizing that, uh, police said that there were they were investigating ten incidents that followed after those counter protesters showed up, and apparently one of the demonstrators was punched in the head. So we're seeing more violence there. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, it's unfortunately this is probably something that we're going to keep seeing more and more and more because these people are starting to come out of the woodworks now they They feel I don't know if I mean they felt emboldened because of Trump, but now we have this formula of people that felt emboldened and feel emboldened, and then a call to arms, basically by Trump's rhetoric to dominate that he's not just putting that message out to governors, he's putting that message out to his base and his vigilante psychopath racist followers. My final story is um, a follow-up on the story of Rayshard Brooks, who was murdered by police in Atlanta. The officer that shot him, uh, that fatally shot him, has been charged with felony murder. This is according to the DA's office. They announced this today on Wednesday. Uh, The man, Garrett Rolfe, he was fired by Atlanta PD after the shooting. Um, It occurred on June 12th. He's facing 11 total counts. Uh, This is according to Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard, A second officer, Devin Brosnan, he's been placed on administrative lead. Uh, he's a cooperating witness for the state. He faces three charges. Some of those include aggravated assault and violation of oath. Howard, he said that after the shooting, Rolf said, I got him. Brosnan stood on Brooks's body when he was lying on the ground and Rolf kicked him. This is according to the DA. Um, he's asked both men to surrender by 6 p.m. Thursday. Those are the updates that I have for you today. Thank you for bearing with the audio. Sorry about that. We'll have everything fixed and up and running as soon as possible and back to normal. Hope you all have a good day and are taking care of yourselves and each other. Thank you.
0: All right, Jordan, thanks so much for those updates. Everybody will be right back with News From Under the Radar, so stay with us.
2: After these messages, will be read. Right-
0: Hey, everybody. It's AG. And today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. I know some of you out there are sleeping on some uh, trashy old mattress at night. You deserve better than that. Sleep is so important. We spend a third of our lives sleeping. I love sleep. It's one of my favorite things. And you have heard me and Joelle and Mandy and Jordan all talk about our Helix mattresses. Um, So give yourself an upgrade. It is time to do so. And I recommend Helix Sleep. Uh, I used to think it was politics and stress that uh, made me not get a good night's sleep. Um, I would listen to uh, podcasts and audiobooks, but Nothing was helping me. Uh, It turns out it was my trash mattress, not giving me the right support. But Helix made the difference because they're different. Helix understands each one of us is unique, and they customize the mattress to fit you. Um, So you don't have to compromise on a mattress that, you know, is made for the way other people sleep. So, you know, don't buy a generic mattress like that uh, when you can get a customized one just for, you know, your sleep patterns and your lifestyle. So whether you're a side sleeper or a back sleeper, a hot sleeper, or you sleep cool, I sleep, I'm a side sleeper, and I'm a hot sleeper. And I also like a really soft bed. They also have firm options, but there's no more confusion, no more compromising on an average mattress with Helix. They match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. If you go to helixsleep.com dailybeans and take their two-minute sleep quiz, you can find out which mattress is best for you and which one will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 by GQ and Wired Magazine, and they have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it. Free in your home uh, for a hundred sleeps risk free and if you don 't like it, which I, you will you 'll love it, but if you don 't they 'll pick it up for you uh, and you know not charge you shipping or anything and they 're offering up to two hundred dollars off all mattress orders for our listeners at sleep dot com slash daily beans that 's helix h e l i x sleep dot com slash daily beans for up to two hundred dollars off hey, everybody welcome back all right, so for news from under the radar. Uh, It appears that New York Times and Washington Post, several other press outlets, uh, not us yet, I guess, you know, we're not um, fancy enough, but we're working on it. But they have copies of John Bolton's book. And here are seven things that uh, are standout stories so far that have come out. Um, And one of them is really pretty crazy. Uh, but again, do not buy Bolton's book. I will tell you what's in it. And here here's some of it. First of all, it confirms that Trump's infamous Ukraine quid pro quo was explicit. We knew that. But Bolton, who could have testified in the impeachment inquiry, uh, decided not to. It uh, says on August 20th, Mr. Bolton writes, uh, Trump, quote, said he wasn't in favor of sending them anything until all the Russia investigation materials related to Clinton and Biden had been turned over. So that was an explicit quid pro quo. Mr. Bolton writes uh, that he, Mr. Pompeo, and Mark Esper, that's the SecDef, Secretary of Defense, uh, tried eight to ten times to get Mr. Trump to release the aid, and he would not until they turned over all Clinton and Biden Russian-related materials. Um, The second interesting thing here, Bolton says that the same shit happened with Turkey and China. And, uh, of course, in his book, we've talked about this. He blames the Democrats for impeachment malpractice, um, only impeaching him on the grounds that there were, you know, uh, for the you know the Ukraine scandal. Um, but this complaint is ironic, given, again, his refusal to testify. Uh, and, you know, he did. And I'll get into what he said about China in a minute. But he tried to get China to help him win reelection. Uh, it says, quote, the president overtly linked policy to his own political fortunes, and he asked Chinese President Xi to buy a lot of American agriculture products to help him win farm states in the year's elec- in this year's election. Um, Mr. Trump was pleading with Xi to ensure he'd win. He stressed the importance of farmers and increased Chinese purchases of soybeans and wheat in the electoral outcome. So, again, not about... Helping our farmers or sustaining our food chain, our food supply chain, supply chain, food chain, we <laughs> at the top. Uh, but more about, in fact, all about his being reelected. Uh, the next thing here, uh, Trump reportedly did not know Britain was a nuclear power. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to read about when I, get, when I get my hands on that excerpt, which I'm not paying for. I'm not buying the book. Um, this is a basic fact about world politics. Britain is a nuclear power, yet the president seemed to have no clue. Uh, also, Trump reportedly asked if Finland was part of Russia. So <laughs> that's interesting as well. So, of course, much like the book Fear or, you know, any of these other like the the um, uh, what's the. Uh, oh, who 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 was it that released the tell all book from um, The Apprentice or even like, you know, Amorosa's book, all these books that came out Um <laughs> talking about uh, you know trump all had this kind of stuff like he was so stupid he thought this he was so stupid he thought this the Mueller report is replete with those moments um so i'm not surprised about those uh also uh, here's an interesting one secretary of state mike pompeo reportedly dismissed trump's overtures to north korea as useless which we all knew uh quote during mr trump's 2018 meeting with north korea's leader according to the book secretary of state mike pompeo slipped mr bolton a note saying he is so full of shit um, regarding trump and uh, finally bolton says he reported cases of trump's potential business abuses to attorney general bill barr good luck there buddy and uh, anyway both washington post and new york times have copies of this we'll keep you posted about what's in it as this information comes out so you don't have to buy it nobody buy it do not buy the book Uh, And now, as we enter the fifth month of the coronavirus epidemic with, uh, gosh, almost 118,000 people dead and projections that we could lose another 100,000 more by October, masks have become sort of a norm inside uh, government buildings. Particularly, I'm talking about the House of Representatives here. But there are holdouts, a small group of Republican asshole representatives who have consistently declined to wear face masks in Congress. Um, This is all according to The Washington Post. And now, as we know, nine states have hit record highs for infections. Uh, Pelosi is now tightening the rules on masks. Uh, Late Tuesday, she asked committee chairs to require masks at all hearings and authorized the sergeant at arms to bar anyone who refuses to cover their face. And this is according to a senior aide familiar with the request. Quote This requirement will be enforced by the sergeant at arms, and noncompliant members will be denied entry. Um, the senior aide. This is what the senior aide told the Washington Post. Ultimately, chairs will have the option of not recognizing members in committee proceedings that fail to comply with the mask requirement. Uh, I have all my beans on Matt Gates wearing that giant gas mask just to be a dick. Uh, but this change in rules comes after Pelosi requested new official guidelines from Brian Monahan. That's the attending physician of Congress, and this is based on emerging scientific consensus that. Masks are key to slowing the spread of coronavirus. Actually, a new study came out today showing that we have uh, mitigated um, the number of infections considerably. We've prevented two hundred thousand people from being infected with coronavirus because of wearing masks. And wearing a mask decreases your chance of transmitting the coronavirus from seventeen uh, and some change, seventeen percent, down to three percent, three point one percent, I believe um monahan's updated guidance which he issued tuesday that's the that's the house physician requires face masks in the house for anyone meeting in a limited and closed space such as a committee hearing room for greater than 15 minutes now some of the holdouts uh clay higgins for example republican from louisiana says can you smell through the mask then you're not stopping any sort of virus And this is what he told CNN last month. This is not an argument supported by science or any human person that has half a brain. Um, He says, it's part of the dehumanization of the children of God. You're participating in it by wearing a mask. (laughs) So, okay. That person is in Congress. Uh, Rep. Ted Yoho, Florida Republican, Uh, also told CNN there's just no need to wear a mask in the House because he believes in herd immunity. Uh, That concept has been debunked quite a bit. It's unclear how long COVID-19 survivors have immunity or if having it even gives you immunity or if you haven't had it. Like It's just bananas. One GOP congressman who declined to wear a mask at the Capitol has actually contracted the disease on Monday. Rep. Tom Rice, Republican from South Carolina, announced he had tested positive for the coronavirus uh, after appearing with an uncovered face on the House floor two weeks earlier. Um, G.T. Bynum, uh, shifting stories here. He's the first term mayor of Tulsa. Um, he's a Republican. He is not celebrating Trump's planned rally Uh, This Saturday, originally scheduled for Juneteenth, uh, but now this Saturday at the city's 19,000 seat downtown BOK Center. Uh, While other Oklahoma GOP officials are hailing the event, Bynum finds himself in a precarious position balancing partisan politics, the city's deep racial wounds and COVID-19 infection rate, a COVID-19 infection rate that is spiking. They just had a 3% rise today um bynum has said he's not attending the rally which trump announced as the kickoff of a tour to rev up his political base and show the nation's economy reopening after the long shutdown trump said in a tweet that almost a million people had requested tickets although party officials haven't announced the total (laughs) million people Mm mm-hmm uh, Oklahoma has uh, followed a Trump-friendly, aggressive schedule for its economic reopening, barreling through a series of phases that now have almost all businesses free to resume normal operations as their curve continues to just spike. But the announcement comes as uh, Tulsa's infection rate, like I said, is rising. Um, after It was moderate for a couple of months, but as of Tuesday, the four-day average number of new cases in the city had doubled. From the previous peak in April. The city's own health department director, Dr. Bruce Dart, has said he hopes the rally will be postponed, noting that large indoor gatherings are partially to blame for the recent spread. Uh, meanwhile, many leaders in that city's black community have lashed out at Trump's visit as provocative, especially after the death, the murder of George Floyd, and mass protests. Tulsa was the site of the nation's deadliest race riot, race massacre in 1921 went up to 300 black residents were murdered by a white mob. It was burned down, um, bombs from planes. The city's thriving black Wall Street district was leveled to the ground. Quote, Do I share anxiety about having a full house at the BOK Center? Of course, Bynum wrote. Uh, he he put out a statement. He says, As someone who's cautious by nature, I don't like to be the first to try anything. I would have loved some other city to have proven the safety of such an event already. I think the mayor of Las Vegas is in on that. Didn't she say, we'll be the guinea pigs. We'll do it. Did not she offer up her people (laughs) as guinea pigs? Maybe Bynum should give her a call. Uh, Bynum did not respond to a request for an interview, but released a statement, like I said, indicating he had no plans to stop the rally. He could, by invoking civil emergency powers. But here's the lead. He buried the lead, right? He also said he was unaware of plans for a rally until the BOK Center management themselves reached out to the city regarding police support. Mayor didn't know. And I'm not sure if you've all seen the viral video making the rounds of a female police officer waiting for her McMuffin meal and crying because she thinks the reason it's taking so long is because the employees were plotting to poison her. This came in the wake of cops accusing a Shake Shack in New York of poisoning their milkshakes with bleach, and we found out later that was a lie. The events prompted Mariah Cruder to uh, to pen a piece in the Los Angeles Times about the police prosecution or p- excuse me police persecution complex. Um, And she says it's real and it's dangerous. She says, quote, Paranoia is beginning to seem par for the course. On Monday night, two NYPD unions, the New York Police Benevolent Association of the Detectives Endowment Association. Oh, excuse me. I thought that was one union. That's two. The New York Police Benevolent Association and the Detectives Endowment Association issued statements alleging that three New York police officers have been intentionally poisoned at Shake Shack. Uh, They tweeted a statement which they have since deleted, from its president, Patrick Lynch, claiming the officers discovered a toxic substance believed to be bleach had been placed in their beverages. If the intent assigning diction of placed didn't clue you in, Lynch and the PBA made it even more obvious. Quote, when the New York City police officers cannot even take a meal without coming under attack, it's clear that the uh, environment in which we work has deteriorated to a critical level. We cannot afford to let our guard down even for a moment. Meanwhile, the Detectives Association president released a statement alleging police in New York City and across the country are under attack by vicious criminals who dislike us simply because of the uniform we wear. Emboldened by pandering elected officials, these cowards will go to great lengths to harm any member of law enforcement. Uh, So this op-ed writer says the, you, the, uh, you know, the us versus them warriors under assault party line could not have been clearer in these statements. In a not-so-shocking twist, these claims turned out to be false. Uh, As I said previously, the NYPD's own investigation cleared the Shake Shack employees of any criminality Tuesday. The bleach was more likely a part of a cleaning solution that had been improperly removed from the milkshake machine. And yet, the police union's fast food-focused fragility felt pretty familiar. That's really good alliteration. (laughs) Thanks to to this. Uh, Over the past few months, headlines about cops getting erroneously mad at restaurants have become surprisingly common, like the cop who accused a fast food worker of taking a bite out of his McChicken because he forgot he'd taken a bite himself. Or the cops who threatened to boycott a Philly sandwich shop for the dire sin of not giving officers free lunch. Or the cop who lied about a McDonald's McDonald's worker writing fucking pig on his coffee cup. While these stories might seem merely stupid and embarrassing for the police officers in, questions, in question, uh, this apparent police obsession with the imagined specter of an Antifa fast food worker is a sign of a much deeper problem. As police brutality has become more mainstream, she writes, source of outrage uh, uh, over the past few years, police have increasingly closed ranks, saying Blue Lives Matter, Back the Blue, and Thin Blue Line, all that imagery all has its roots in the same idea, that the world is full of dangerous cop-hating criminals and the poor, prosecuted, persecuted police officers are the only thing standing between order and chaos. And she says what is dangerous about these slogans, and indeed about the frequent police accusations against restaurants, is how they encourage cops to interact with the rest of the world. Everything from the increase in SWAT usage of tanks and machine guns to warrior-style training that teaches cops they need to either kill or be killed, it's all rooted in that idea that police are always under attack. Uh, Seth Stoughton, a law professor at the University of South Carolina, former police officer, wrote about law enforcement's warrior problem for the Harvard Law Review, arguing that this warrior mindset is both common and destructive. He cites a 2010 article from Police One, which is a site offering police training news and career services, that recommends police remain humble and compassionate, be professional and courteous, and have a plan to kill everyone you meet. Stoughton argues that this mindset creates a substantial, if invisible, barrier to true community policing, concluding that the assertive manner in which officers set the tone of an encounter can also set the stage for a negative response or a violent interaction that was, from the start, avoidable. That's the same paranoia that leads police officers to assume they've been poisoned by milkshakes. That same paranoia can lead that same officer to needlessly escalate encounters with civilians. And as we've seen all too often, needless escalations can have, and often do, have tragic consequences. Um, She says these stories aren't frivolous. They're an illustration of how deep and pervasive the toxic police persecution mindset can be. So, a very interesting piece in the LA Times. I highly recommend you checking it out. If you have a subscription, if you don't, subscribe if you can, if you're able to. Subscribe to your local papers. Um, And another top Justice Department official has resigned. Uh, That's three in one week. And I will be right back to discuss it with former federal and state prosecutor Ellie Honig. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Allform. Uh, A couple minutes ago, I was telling you about my Helix mattress and what a game changer it was for getting a good night's sleep. Well, Helix has launched a new company called Allform that goes beyond the bedroom and they're revolutionizing furniture for the rest of your house. Allform makes beautiful, comfortable sofas, chairs, love seats delivered directly to you with fast free shipping. And what makes it so amazing is they make it easy to customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. Uh, you can pick your fabric, the color, the color of the legs, the size, the shape to make sure it's perfect for you in your home. Uh, I picked out an all-form three-seater sofa. I put, I made it have, in whiskey leather, which is just beautiful. It has a walnut-like finish, so it matches the rest of the walnut in my house, and a chaise lounge. And it came in a couple of days. I put it together myself. It was super easy, and I absolutely love it. They have armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight-seat sectionals, so there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and build on as you move and grow. Um, usually if you want to order a custom sofa. It can take weeks, sometimes months. Uh, And you need someone to come assemble it in your home, and you have to set up a nine-hour delivery window with a freight company. But Allform takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself, no tools needed. And best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, but you will love it, uh, they will pick it up for free, give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. That's allform.com slash All right, everybody, welcome back. Jody Hunt, J Hunt, Junt, uh, head of the Civil Division at the Department of Justice, has tendered his resignation and here to discuss the mass exodus from the top of Maine justice as former federal and state prosecutor and legal analyst Ellie Honig. Ellie, thanks for joining me
2: today. Thanks for having me. I think my my two-word uh, reaction to all these departures, for the most part, is good riddance.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, and we'll get into some details on these fellas in a minute. But uh, the head of the Justice Department Civil Division announced his resignation. Um, that was the same day, by the way, that he signed on to a lawsuit suing Trump's former national security advisor, John Bolton, over the scheduled publication of his book. And uh, this follows the resignations of Solicitor General Noel Francisco and the head of the criminal division, Brian Benchkowski, all douchebags. Uh, and you tweeted, perhaps they see the writing on the wall. What do you mean by
2: that? Well, so there usually people will in a situation like this, where you have an incumbent president coming up for another term, we'll, will wait and see what happens with the election. And sometimes they will hold over and sometimes they won't. But here we have this sort of sudden exodus of several top people at DOJ. So it could be that, look, we've all seen the polls. They don't look good for the most part. And it could be that nobody wants to be sort of the last man out the door. Um, and, and, and good. I mean, look at Benchkowski. I mean, this guy was in charge of the criminal division of the United States Department of Justice and never prosecuted a case in his life before that. Nor did Bill Barr; he was AG, but he never handled a, a criminal trial as a prosecutor. Hmm. Nor did the Deputy AG. Nor did the Associate AG. So, um, I think that that was a, a, more than a trivia question. I think that tells you something about uh, the real lead- the the real lack of experience at the leadership of DOJ.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, but I mean, who really? I personally, while I while I rejoice and get some hope from polls, I refuse to listen to them because they fucked me in 2016. Um, And so maybe maybe here's some super space beans ready for a tinfoil hat. Maybe Russia told Trump he's not going to help him this time. So everybody's leaving. No, I'm just
2: kidding. Well, we learned we learned from Bolton today that Russia that that who needs Russia? Because Trump's already reached out to China and Turkey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but look, we, we also should take a moment. I think so much of the media's attention, my attention and ire has been aimed at the criminal aspect of of DOJ, but let's not forget DOJ has a civil and and a a solicitor general, which handles a lot of the non-criminal cases in the Supreme Court function, which should be duly shamed as well for some of the ridiculous and, and, um, I think really problematic positions that they have taken in this administration as well. I mean, you mentioned the Trump uh, the, the Trump lawsuit against Bolton. I mean, that what a joke! The book's already out there. I mean, Stephen Colbert has a copy. You're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna bring it back, and legally you, there would be no basis to do that anyway. Um, from that on down to the administration's blanket denial of subpoenas and the ridiculous argument they've made that Trump is absolutely immune from having to comply with subpoenas. Um, on to the fact that the Supreme Court—we just got the LGBTQ decision uh, earlier this week. Well, the D- DOJ argued against that. DOJ argued against the extension of equal rights to people based on uh, based on sexual orientation or transgender status. I mean, these are outrageous positions that that should not get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, the
0: the census case where we had files and files from this guy named Hoffler who who did a bunch of research to find out how to disenfranchise black people by giving white Republicans the benefit in in when when drawing district lines. and he used those words. it wasn't I'm not paraphrasing uh, uh, he was saying we specifically want to help white Republicans by drawing these lines. and so. I mean and and here's Solicitor General Noel Francisco having to stand up there and defend this shit. And so I'm with I don't know that this is necessarily a uh, well this Flynn thing is a step beyond and I can't participate in this or this This lawsuit against John Bolton is a step beyond, and I can't get behind this. I just, I can't attribute any, you know, scruples to any of these fellas. First of all, Benchkowski had to get a zillion ethics waivers to oversee cases such as the Mueller probe and the Goldman Sachs 1MDB case because of his ties to Kirkland and Ellis. And we know the cases the Solicitor General, like you said, has argued to the Supreme Court on behalf of Trump. So if it's scruples, mm-hmm, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they might know this administration is winding down. They might. Uh, but I mean, I mean, some
2: also. Well, let me say this. Sometimes people just just leave. They just do enough time, want to go make money again. But, yeah, there's a lot of these in succession. I don't I don't attribute these resignations to any sort of protest or, or principled stance. I mean, you know, if, if they're going to resign over Flynn, why now? Um, why not? <laughs> why not? at any time over the past several months while these abuses have been taking place. And honestly, you could probably just close your eyes and randomly throw a dart and, and hit any date in the last couple of years and say, oh, well, the, tr- the Trump Justice Department had just taken this ridiculous position, so maybe it was due to that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's almost like inevitable that you're going to have some ridiculous or, or untenable position that immediately preceded these decisions.
0: Yeah, and I know that Wall was the one that argued the Flynn case and he was scheduled to do that for a couple of weeks. So I don't think that um, necessarily the Solicitor General was supposed to argue uh, on behalf of Trump in the Flynn case uh, for that. But who knows? It might have been like, hey, like two weeks earlier, he might have been he might have been like, I'm not fucking doing this shit. I'll do the racist. <laughs> I'll do the racist uh anti. Uh, black people one and the anti-voting one and the voter suppression one and the anti-gay one, but I'm not doing But this. not this.
2: Yeah. yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I don't um, know where they
0: draw lines. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, as a comedian, we get up on stage, we tell our jokes and, and we are sometimes surprised at the lines people that, oh, that's your that's where you're offended. OK.
2: Right. <laughs> the point at which the, the crowd groans.
0: Yeah. 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 You're like, oh, OK. You were fine with the OK, but this got it.
2: Someone should study that.
0: Yeah, yeah. People like mind. a
2: do like an algorithm. Where do, where does the audience, you know, say like, oh,
0: not. That. Uh, no. <laughs> um. Now. Jody Hunt is mentioned a few times in the Mueller report. He was uh, Jeff Sessions, chief of staff back in the day. He was at all those meetings with the discussions about the firing of Jim Comey, and he corroborated that Comey had said he was uncomfortable meeting with Trump alone during that weird ass candlelight dinner at the White House, you know, with a, with a where he asked for loyalty. Yeah, candlelight yeah. <laughs> dinner, right. <laughs> um, so I'm actually frankly surprised Jody's been around this long. Um, right. Well, know. let's,
2: yeah. I mean, let's remember, he didn't, he didn't, yes, he he talked to Mueller's people, but he didn't cross that line of testifying in public or testifying in Congress. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure whether he was ever subpoenaed. But no, you're right. Usually once you uh, open your mouth uh, and and say anything that might harm Trump, you're putting yourself on the endangered list.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you, you definitely are. And, and like you said, like we had told, said a little bit earlier, Jody Hunt did sign on to that lawsuit um, trying to block Bolton's book from coming out. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. I, you know, I did a piece earlier in the show about some of the standout um, things that you know are coming out. I vowed not to buy the book. I've told my listeners <laughs> don't buy the book. We're going to get what's in the book. Like you said, The Daily Show has the book right now.
2: so Yeah, I mean, why, why, why spend hours and hours reading through 600 pages of it, which I'm sure most of it's just boring Bolton junk, when you can just click on any of the major news sites and get the five interesting things in it?
0: Exactly. Yeah, and, and like I, I said, I promised everyone we would bring you anything that's important of import from the book. Yeah. Um. But you know, there's no reason to spend any money on it, and and especially because the thing I don't understand is his he's trashing the Democrats for narrowing the scope of of the impeachment. Yeah um, and
2: had refused to testify. I, right. I mean, what a hypocrite. Like he's saying, oh, it was impeachment malpractice to not find more of this. Hey, th- they tried to get you to talk and you wouldn't. So, I mean, how how do you blame them? I mean, the guy's the old, ult- I, I don't know if he completely lacks self-awareness. He is a, a massive hypocrite and a coward. And now he comes out and tells us all, it's actually worse than you all thought because, I didn't just clam up on one impeachable act, but actually multiple impeachment act, uh, impeachable mm-hmm. acts, including soliciting China for electoral help. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, he makes it worse. I don't know who John Bolton thinks he's appealing to or what he thinks he's accomplishing. I mean, Trump people hate him because he's come out with these really damning stories about Trump. Everyone else hates him because he was a coward and dodged a subpoena or you know pushed back against testifying. So who's his audience here? Is it is it just about selling his book and and calling it a day? I I don't understand what's in his head. I think he's just sort of delusional about how important and magnificent he is.
0: Well, that's where Bolton lives, isn't it? Where everyone hates him?
2: Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, I mean, he he doesn't care.
0: Yeah. He that's where he spends the majority of his time because Democrats just always hate him and then Republicans hate him because he's such an asshole.
2: And well, to me, it's not even about Democratic or Republican. It's just you know, he, he's a coward and he had very important information, no matter what party you are. And he and he made a game out of withholding it. And now he's putting it out there and almost chortling on his way to the bank. Mm.
0: I am reminded uh, of this book uh, and how fucking boring it must be. Um, uh, by a long time ago, do you remember McClellan wrote a book? Um, and, and John Stewart, yeah. John Stewart was talking about it and it's so boring, <laughs> uh, that, that he brought, uh, Fred, um, from the B-52s on his <laughs> show to read excerpts
2: in that voice,
0: yeah. If everyone in the room thought it was a crazy idea,
2: well, let me, let me, yeah, let me join you and do like a counter ad against the Bolton, the Bolton book. If if you go on to CNN, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, or any major news source, you can click on their articles right now about John Bolton and read all the interesting things that are in that book. The rest of it is probably the most boring, bureaucratic, self-aggrandizing nonsense so who would who wants to who wants to be on page 378 of the bolton book and have 110 pages left and be like what is this it's probably it's got to be horrible
0: (laughs) i am for one i'm not uh definitely not interested um god 600 pages
2: oh oh i did the math wrong 200 yeah well remember remember the seinfeld the famous the famous line when seinfeld is watching like a horrible looking movie preview and he yells out must miss. Yeah. I, think, I think the Bolton book is a must miss.
0: <laughs> it is. It is a must miss. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Ellie, so much. Um, Anytime. Uh, former uh, federal and state prosecutor. Uh, he's got a new piece coming out on CNN. So check that out. Ellie Honig, thanks for joining me today.
2: Thank you. Anytime.
0: Everybody stick around right after this uh, break. We have the good news block with Mandy reader. So stay with us. Okay, this is from page uh, 217, okay. All right. Uh, music?
2: As I entered the oval area, I ran into Scooter Libby! Yes! Thank you very much. Thanks, Schneider, the B-52s. Hey
0: everybody, it's AG, and I know it's a weird time. Uh, we're all waiting to see if things will go back to normal or even if we want them to, uh, and we're all looking for answers. But if you're looking for a fun way to pass the time, get your mind off things while engaging your brain and keeping it sharp and enjoying breathtaking visuals, something calm, a good story, the answer is Best Fiends. I love Best Fiends because it's a refreshing break from the daily insanity of our current American politics. Um, it's it, the best... Okay, I, I have to tell you how important self-care is to me, and I know that we've kind of buried that hashtag for, for a while, but... It, it, taking these breaks is so important to me and and best fiends is a break from all of that. It's part of my self-care. I can focus on collecting my characters and leveling them up. It's fun and challenging. Um, these are it's a great puzzle game. You don't have to be a gamer to be into it. I'm a casual gamer, so it's perfect. And uh, you know, it starts it's a quick distraction. But then I was captivated because of the bright, beautiful visual design, and then I got deeper into the story with the characters, most of which are bugs, and the antagonists are slugs. So it's very similar to politics. But you collect tons of great characters. You need them to, you know, level up and use them strategically at each at each of the different levels. There's so many levels. I'm on like a hundred level. I think I'm on level 210 right now. Uh, and people hashtag me all the time to let me know what level they're on. But I find myself playing more and more, um, and I play it wherever because you don't need Wi-Fi. Um, Or you you don't have to use cell data. It's like a healthy distraction from being stressed out all the time. And they treat the game like a service for their players. Best Fiends updates um, monthly with new levels and events. It never gets old. It's truly a unique and exciting puzzle experience, unlike other games out there. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. And joining me today for the good news is, surprise, Amanda Reeder. Hello. Hello. We were having some technical difficulties early on in the show, so Mandy has agreed to come in and read your wonderful good news stories, which I'm Uh sure she loves because we love your good news stories.
3: Definitely. Always happy to jump in. Always happy to share good news.
0: (laughs) Uh, I do have one little bit of of good news um, that I'd like to share with you.
3: Yeah, hit me with it.
0: Here it is. A federal judge has ordered Steve that's uh, Steve Mnuchin, to give the $680 million promised to indigenous peoples as part of the COVID relief package uh, to the indigenous peoples. That's money they should have received months ago. And uh, Judge Amit Mehta, he ruled, quote, continued delay in the face of an exceptional public health crisis is no longer acceptable. And he gave Steve until today to disperse the funds. (laughs) This this Decision came Monday and he gave him till today. Steve has been withholding the funds pending a court challenge over his methodology for calculating how much money sovereign nations get and how much go to corporations that are on sovereign land. Mm-hmm. Um, if if the name Amit Mehta sounds familiar, it should. He presided over one of the Trump tax lawsuits, the Mazar's lawsuits, that is now with the Supreme Court. And he obviously ruled in favor of the House. Good dude. I'm um, at meta. So he's like no more your bullshit. They were promised I think 8 billion and they had late they they were supposed to deliver it by April 26th. They blew past that deadline. Then they sent out 4.8 billion. Then they sent out another couple billion and they still had this 680 million dollars left because they were trying to decide, you know, oh, I think this might be for a corporation that's on, you know, your land instead mm-hmm. of you. And and you know, of course that was fought in court. And uh, the judge said, "Nope, fuck you. Hand over the money, Steve." So, haha.
3: Hand it the fuck over, Steve. Ugh, right? Yes.
0: Don't bogart the money, Steve.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm very pleased. That's great news. Great news. Um, I sound like Jordan. What just of our said. listeners? <laughs> I'm bringing Jordan's energy and yeah. great news. Uh, that's my Jordan impression. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> listeners, thank you for sending your good news. Um, I'll kick it off here, and we've been getting so many good news submissions from outside the U S lately. I mean, we always do, but particularly right now, um, from, uh, all over Europe and in from Canada and from Australia and New Zealand and Taiwan. And it's very cool, very cool to have a global community. So from Stan in the UK, uh, today, well, this must have been a few days ago now. Uh, following an impassioned and sustained campaign by a 22-year-old footballer or soccer player for the Americans listening, uh, who plays for <laughs> <Thanks>. Man- <laughs> who plays for Manchester United, Marcus Rashford, the UK government finally relented and backed down and will now provide free school meals for kids all throughout the summer holiday. This is a major win that will prevent children in the UK from going hungry at a time when many, many parents are losing their jobs. Marcus is now considered a national treasure here in the UK. He's eloquent, compassionate, and very determined. Uh, Thank you, thank you, wonderful ladies, for keeping me sane. During these years, I've been listening religiously to your news with swearing, so thank you for educating me on US shenanigans with your marvelously (laughs) potty mouths. (laughs)
0: u.s shenanigans no
3: problem
0: (laughs) you're fucking welcome
3: (laughs) yeah you're marvelously potty mouse i love that um Mm -hmm. all right let's see here let's do this next one from anonymous uh this is good news i promise but you'll have to stay with me all right thanks for (laughs) warning us (laughs) uh she's like you have to get through some shit before we get to the good news i lost my dad in december i'm i'm so sorry Uh, And I kind of have adopted his close friends as surrogate fathers. Back in February, I started hearing the news that several people in my hometown were on a cruise where there was a COVID outbreak. It wasn't long before we had our first diagnosis, one of my dad's very close friends, who became the second person hospitalized and the first one on a ventilator in our state. My panic was amplified I know that's that's I can't even imagine I have I have very very luckily not had the experience of anybody close to me having a bad case of COVID um I know some people who've had mild cases but nobody who's had a bad case of it and so I'm I'm so sorry to hear that um have you known anyone who's had a bad case AG have you experienced that personally
0: uh yeah I know a couple people um some of my parents friends and then a friend of ours here in San Diego had a pretty pretty dire case but uh pulled through
3: Yeah, this shit's not a joke, you guys. Wear your masks. Um, My panic was amplified. Yes, a family friend being told his odds of survival were under 20% uh, would be scary. But this is a man I have known my entire life. He is one of my last few remaining links to my dad. My mom and I followed his progress, and every time we had a death in this state, I would panic. They would try to take him off the ventilator, and then he would crash. Then in May, he got the excellent news that he was going to rehab, a rehab that could take him with the tracheotomy still being used. He was still testing positive, so his wife and daughter had no contact with him, but the rehab did let them visit through glass windows. He couldn't speak to them, but he would nod and smile. Then we Mm. received an email. They were going to move him to a rehab closer to home. That was the last we heard. Uh, And two days ago, my mom and I were talking about how we hadn't heard anything in a while, and that was worrying us. Well, last night he called. Not one of the guys, not his wife, not his daughter. He called. This man who shouldn't be alive, who couldn't speak at all less than a month ago, was there on the phone with my mom and I. I have never cried happier tears in my whole life. I got the best night's sleep I have had in six months, and I'm still crying while writing this. He's going to come home. There is still a lot of work ahead, but after months on a ventilator, he is talking and laughing and still alive, and I am truly over the moon, and I just had to share.
0: (sighs) That's so 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 amazing. What what good news. I know that's so good. What, what? Such, such good, good news. <laughs> oh, hey Marley. Hey Marley. Marley says, "Yes, good news."
3: <laughs> Marley Marley agrees. Um and then she ends, I uh she ends and says uh, and I believe it's a she. I wrote anonymous, and, I'm, and for some reason in my head I had she/her pronouns attached to this. So this is actually a story from from another uh, gender. I apologize. <laughs> uh, on a separate note, I have to thank you all so much. I miss trash talking trumple thin skin with my dad and discovering and, and discussing every bit of news with him. My mom would scold us because we would stress her out with our own super beans theories. Super space beans theories. I'm not sure how I would have survived losing him without you amazing women. My heart will always feel his absence, but I feel less alone when I have you ladies to discuss the latest headlines with, even if you don't respond to my totally valid theories. (laughs) And to AG, as a fellow Gen Xer, be thankful that the millennials are getting a few of your references. I just get weird looks with with my Gen X college students. (laughs) Uh I'm so Aww. grateful for you AG Jordan and Mandy. PS, please give Bruce Willis a headbutt from me because he is such a good boy.
0: Oh, he's a good boy. He's a long teen, but he's a good boy. Um yeah. that really means a lot to me cuz and you know what, my DMs are open. I lost my dad too, although it's been many years. Uh but if you know, if you ever want to talk about dads, I'm I'm here for that. Absolutely.
3: So. Yeah, I'm so happy for you. Um congratulations that your that your really good family friend is is doing well. And thanks for the really nice note. Uh, Glad we can keep you company. Uh, Okay, let's see here. This next one is also from abroad from Australia. Uh, Anonymous says, Good day, team. I hope this comes across as good news. Unfortunately, it isn't flippant or funny, but I do hope you feel a hand on your shoulder when you read this and understand the love and support I offer from afar. I'm Australian, and we have been the recipients of incredible backhanded luck. I say backhanded because the pandemic dropped on the back end of the worst fire season our nation has ever endured, and I am firm in the belief that our self-discipline, calmness, and cohesiveness in response to the pandemic is a direct result of having had to pull together against those bushfires so recently. As a result, as I write, we have less than 500 cases left nationwide and a comparatively low fatality rate and are now starting to cautiously Reopen to tell you a bit about me. I am a twenty-year veteran of the Australian Defence Force, and through multiple deployments, uh, four to Afghanistan and one to Iraq, I have fought alongside, under the command of, and embedded with American troops. I have even had the privilege of spending a month down the road from you guys, embedded with the USMC at Camp Pendleton on exchange. Mm. Although hanging out in the Hello. gaslight, <laughs> yeah. Although hanging out in the gaslight quarter of San Diego is my fondest memory of that trip.
0: <laughs> did he wait? Did he call it the Gaslight District?
3: the gaslight quarter
0: it's the it's the gas lamp <laughs> 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 although you may get gaslit when you go there by drunk dude bros so True. it's it's very possible you'll at least get mansplained once or twice um, you'll get a few well actuallys but uh Yeah, the, ga- the gaslight quarter. I like it. Well,
3: it's kind of funny. The Gaslamp District has some really beautiful architecture, but it's so not representative of the overall vibe of central San Diego. And I had a friend who visited from LA who mostly just hung out in downtown in the Gaslamp District and was like, I don't really know why you like San Diego so much. And it wasn't until the next time that he came back and saw the other more like residential areas that he was like... Oh, okay. San Diego is not just full of douchebags. I was like, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, you went to the you went to douchebag central. If you go, if yeah. you come to San Diego and you if you want to go, sometimes people like to go clubbing. They want to go dancing. They want to go where the tourists go. They want to mm-hmm. go to that kind of vibe. That is downtown at the Gaslamp Quarter, and that is Pacific Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you want to hit up the more hipster local uh dive sort of underbelly uh artistic places you go to north park, uni heights, normal heights, hillcrest, uh -hmm. and that that section. South Park too, Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure.
3: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's very San Diego is totally like neighborhoody. Every neighborhood has a bit of a different vibe. So yeah, if you came here and you only went to like Pacific Beach and uh Gas Lamp, it would just be a lot of like tourists and party people. But anyway, I digress. Um All right. So he has served with U.S. troops and he's been to Camp Pendleton and has been to San Diego. Then he says, I hold your country dear to my heart and admire your passion, uh, your love of country and your desire to see the world become a better place. My professional background means I spread my net far and wide, regularly visiting news sources across the spectrum to ensure I hear all viewpoints. I have used your podcast as a reliable data point in understanding the chaos that you are currently experiencing because I trust your research, your diligence, and most importantly, your compassion. To recent events, the voice AG gave to her frustration, anger, and sadness regarding the state-sanctioned assault of peaceful protesters at the DC church made me weep. Um, I've walked those grounds myself, and I cannot resolve within myself the grievous injustice that is currently being pursued under the banner of law and order. A.G., I'm certain you and I have never served together, but I hear in you what I have heard many times during serving alongside other American troops. Frustration, anger, and sadness at the perversion of what your nation should represent. Please know, for you and all your team, that you are being heard worldwide, and the ripples of what you have produced will echo. I have no answers for what you currently face, but I offer the following. A former CEO of mine and trusted friend once gave me this uniquely Australian advice. Mate, you can do the right thing or you can be a cunt. The choice is yours. (laughs) Sorry about using the C word. (laughs) I had to bloop that out. Uh, It turns difficult decisions into a binary choice, but seems particularly appropriate for the world right now. Love you all and all you do. Please stay strong, stay well, and stay vigilant. Love from Australia.
0: Somebody else sent us that quote, too. yeah, that's really awesome.
3: yeah, that's a really nice note. Thank you so much. yeah, this good news block makes my day. Um where are we at? shall we do shall we do one more?
0: Yeah, let's see. What do we have we've got we've got Jody. you want me to read one from Jody? Yeah. Jody says uh, here, I grew up in a small, mostly white and Latinx community in Texas. It is deep ruby red. Though I no longer live there, I still keep tabs on what's going on. A couple weeks ago, a 15-year-old friend tried to organize a Black Lives Matter protest. She was met with outright hostility and cruelty to the point that she and her family canceled it. Uh, Enter my friends Pam and Bob. They are the parents of one of my best friends growing up, and Pam is the mayor. As private citizens, they paid for a permit for a Black Lives Matter protest. And my activist friend, Tracy, also came back to help, uh, back home to help. Uh, They are very experienced with activism. So my small town with deep racist roots ended up having the protest after all. And around 75 people showed up. Many adults rallied around this teen to help her make it happen. So proud of that 15-year-old Bob, Pam, and Tracy, as well as everyone else who showed up. Despite fierce resistance and extreme bullying from the right wing, this is giving me so much hope.
3: Yay. Mm. Oh, they love these stories from small town America. Ugh. Yeah, You know, it, it really does give me hope. You know, especially I feel like for me, I, I feel safest as um, a queer person in big cities. And so I'm like, I'm so proud of folks who speak their minds and live their truths in these small towns regardless of all of the resistance that they meet and I'm very proud of you all. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Yay.
0: Do you want to do you want to read the one from Canada?
3: Yes, we ha- we do have one more from Canada. I suppose we do have time. Okay. Let's see here. Uh do from JD. Uh with COVID-19 mm-hmm. still changing the way we live our lives, I'm fortunate enough to be able to work from home. Uh, My ex-wife, however, is considered essential and is required to go into her place of work. While I worry about her safety and that of my two kids, it does mean that I get to spend a lot more time with them." Before COVID, I was able to see my kids every weekend, but I am now also able to see them during the week when schedules usually don't work. I'm loving all the time I get to spend with these two. They're pretty goddamn amazing kids, and now I get to see more of them growing into pretty goddamn amazing people. Aw, thank you so much for Molly Sherot. I know, that's so nice. What a good, what a good dad. Thank you so much for Miller Shiro and the Daily Beans, which I've been listening to since the very beginning. A.G., Jordan, and Mandy always explain U.S. politics in a way that, as a Canadian, I don't have to do too much additional research to fully understand just how batshit crazy things are to the south of me. That's, <laughs> that's what Jean Yoon said on our live stream the other day. <laughs>
0: yeah she did she was so great she was like thank you for explaining this to me y'all are crazy
3: no uh you as a country will make it through to the other side i just hope that the damage being inflicted upon you is reversible wow keeping it light jd failing that all three of you and your significant others are always welcome to come live here thanks for all that you do love you guys um yeah we might have to defect
0: at some point i you know there's there's (laughs) It de- it all depends on what goes down in November, you know.
3: Hey, man, it all hinges upon November. D- so many days, Joelle wakes up and she's like, you know what? I live in a world where Joe Biden wins, and that's it. And I will adjust my reality if that doesn't happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I right now, I do. I am this exact same way. I'm like right now, I'm living my life to, like Joe Biden's going to win. I mean, I'm still going to vote. And I'm still pushing it out. There. I'm not like. Get, you know saying don't be active and don't fight and don't you know make sure that we win but that's just right now if i if i live my life like i think trump's going to win uh i i you know what i should say i i act in in my in my you know political activism i act like trump's going to win but in my in my uh in my self care heart <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have to. I have to think that Biden's going to win. Otherwise, it's like oh, I got. <laughs> oh
3: my what? god! I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like in terms of h- how I'm discussing things with friends and what I'm sharing in social media and the political actions I'm taking, like act like Biden is down 20 points and work like hell. Yep. But but when you fall asleep at night and you're trying to <laughs> let go of the anxieties of the day, live in a world where Biden <laughs> is winning. <laughs> yeah. yeah (laughs) oh
0: that talk about you know and here's the thing as 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 women and you know a lot of us have experienced trauma and that ability to dissociate like that I think is what's giving us the uh the ability to survive until you know uh, until november so pretty much that's what dissociation is about right yay compartmentalization dissociation hooray that
3: and prozac
0: (laughs) we're we're badasses for surviving and 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 we just have Mm -hmm. to hang on for a little bit longer
3: absolutely you're all badasses you're a badass ag and um and uh by the way, if you haven't sent in your uh, your most recent good news stories or your most recent quarantine confessions, keep sending them in. We have the next episode of Quarantine Confessions dropping this weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah. It comes out Friday for patrons and it comes out Saturday to the public. If you want to be a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash the daily beans. And you'll become a patron of the Daily Beans and Quarantine Confessions. So you'll get both shows early before the public gets them. You can be a patron for as little as three bucks. You get to join us an hour early for the super secret. It's when we discuss the really secrety, secret stuff on the Friday uh, happy hour live streams. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's it's just a lot of fun. It's a great community. We have a lot of resources, a lot of networking. So check that out
3: collins on our on our live streams too which has been super fun where we bring patrons on screen with us and you also get access to our patron only facebook group so you should check it out and uh and yeah i guess i'll see some of you on the live stream uh on on friday which we have to choose a theme for and i will text a couple to you after after the show and we will pick one
0: Great. Yeah. And I've told people uh, earlier on in the show, uh, in the intro, yeah, definitely send in your ideas for for themes for Friday. Woohoo. Woohoo. All right. Well, thank you very much for everybody's good news. Everyone, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. I've been Mandy Reader. And them's the beans.